0: It kind of showed me, you know, we spend so much time working and tied to our desk. And those three weeks after being laid off showed me what else there is to do in the world. There's so much other stuff going on out there and we forget about it because we're so preoccupied with our jobs.
1: You're listening to Side Hustle Pro, the podcast that teaches you to build and grow your side hustle from passion project to profitable business. And I'm your host, Nikayla Matthews-O'Kome. So let's get started. Hey, hey guys, welcome back to the show. Today in the guest chair, we have Tracy Coleman. Tracy is a creator, writer, designer, and visionary. Her main hustle is Show & Tell Creative, a boutique activation agency specializing in social media, event activation, and multicultural marketing. You may also know Tracy from her various side hustles. She's the event director and partner in Curly Girl Collective, the founders and producers of the Epic Curl Fest. She's also the Brooklyn travel addict and is a witty storyteller and content creator through her legendary travel blog. Finally, she's the founder of Purpose Driven Passports, a nonprofit organization that identifies and creates opportunities for travelers to give back abroad. She won the WeWork Creator Award in 2018, less than six months after launching Purpose Driven Passports. This is all kind of a mouthful, right? I know. I usually don't have any other guests with this many businesses going on. But in keeping with the theme of women who are redefining what entrepreneurship looks like, I am happy to share Tracy's journey today because she's living proof that if you work it right, you can be multi-passionate and have a business and a life walking in your purpose. Let's go ahead and learn from Tracy. Welcome to the guest chair, Tracy. Thank you. Glad to be here. Alrighty. So I just finished reading your bio, but I always like to ask, in your own words, who is Tracy Coleman and what does she do? Gosh, Tracy Coleman is a professional hustler.
0: Like, <laughs> I've been hustling since I feel like I left college, but technically, I am a creator. And that encompasses both creative direction and just entrepreneurship. You know, I'm constantly thinking of new ways to, you know, express creativity, but that also just shows up in me starting new businesses. So um, (laughs) being that that I always have all these ideas, um, the ideas somehow turn into businesses, which is how I became a professional hustler. I'm always starting something new, whether it's, you know, (laughs) when I was um, first moved to New York, we were hustling, like we were starting like a little, it was called neighbor favors. And we had like, food we were trying to sell out of our building because there was no vending machine like literally I hustle all the time so this is <laughs> See, nothing I didn't new- even know about that Neighbor <laughs> oh my gosh we were like we go to Sam's Club and get like all these <laughs> snacks and waters and like try to sell it and put flyers out we were crazy but like I'm always doing something like that I would sell Z tickets so now I, I try to do things a little bit more professionally um but yeah I still have several businesses just because I always have new
1: ideas And we're going to get into all of them because one of the reasons I wanted to have you in the guest chair is because you're multi-passionate and you found a way to kind of weave the different businesses together somehow. And not many people can do that well. So we definitely have to talk about that. And I know just knowing you that you've had many twists and turns in your career. So when you were younger, what did you actually want to be when you grew up? Wow, everything. Um,
0: but the, the most serious thing I wanted was to be a, a physician. I want to be a doctor. I went to school for uh, pre-med biology, and I have a degree in biological science with honors. And that was my trajectory um, until my senior year. So I did four years of science. And actually, I mean, I was good at it. I enjoyed it. Um, my grades were good. But clearly, I never went to med school. <laughs> never made it. <laughs> So what happened after undergrad that you didn't make
1: it to med school?
0: Well, my mom's a doctor and somewhere around senior year, she kind of was like, um, you sure you want to go to med school? And I'm like, oh, what do you mean? I'm kicking it. And she was like, yeah, but like, have you taken the MCAT? I was like, no. She was like, have you interned? I'm like, no. She was like, so do you really want to go to med school? And like, that was the first time I thought about it. And I was like, well, maybe I don't really want this. You know, um, I was doing it because, I was good in science and math, um, all the way through high school and college. But you know, when you're good at science and math, that's what you do. You go to, you know, you're an engineer or you um go to medicine or you go into, you know, science sort of based careers, go into STEM. And um I didn't think of another career until I met um a friend of mine who was a studio art major and where I'm from down south, like artists are like those people who are like starving on the streets and they make caricatures and you give them a <laughs> couple dollars to do your picture. And so I never took it seriously as a, like a career. I was always creative, but like that's not how you make money. And so then I met her and she was doing like party flyers and drawings and stuff. And I was at her house one day. And she had Photoshop open. <laughs> Photoshop back then was new. And I was like, oh, what's this? She's like, it's Photoshop. I'm like, oh, this is fun. So I'm playing on her computer. And after like an hour, I was I didn't want to get off the seat. Like, I did not want to get wow. up. I did not want to leave her house. I wanted to sit there. And girl, I was just making shapes. I was making shapes and squares and colors. And I asked her, I was like, this is your major? And she said, yeah. And I was like, you can get a job doing this. And She said, uh, yeah. And so after that day, you know, I realized I want to feel like that every day. You know, I want to go to work and not want to get up out of my seat because I'm having so much fun. And so yeah. after that, I decided to go back to school. I graduated, so I have my degree, but I went back to school um, the next year. I waited tables for like a year. And then I went back to school in Atlanta at the Art Institute and got my second degree, which is in graphic design.
1: Wow. And did you have any like mental gymnastics at that point? Because like going back to get a second degree can be like so humbling at times. Like, um, why did I not figure this out earlier?
0: <laughs> I mean, Yes and no. It felt right. It felt good to go to school and enjoy it. Um, The mental gymnastics part was the doubt, right? So it's people who know your, you know, your mother's a doctor and you were going to be a doctor and now you are showing me a color wheel. Like, <laughs> what are <you're> you doing? <laughs> like, you know, there's a little bit of that, you know? And I remember being so proud of a project I brought home with a 3D design project. It was like made with like these little wooden sticks and I made like a 3D design. I was so excited about it. I brought it home and like a friend of the family was over he was like, that's what you're going to school for? To make boxes? And I was just like, what? Bruh, like can I live? <laughs> <laughs> people are so was, rude. Oh, it's so hurt. Right, like not paying for it. Like, why you got so much to say? So, I mean, it was, but my parents luckily were really supportive. So, I didn't have that type of pushback from them. Um, but it was a bit of a question when you're going toward a career that's so, you know, respected, especially in um among older generations, um, into something that a lot of people don't know what it is. Cause back then advertising and graphic design was new you know like I said Photoshop was new web design was new you know all that stuff was new and so it wasn't something people could identify with they're just kind of like oh she's doing this artsy thing um and I had to be confident in the fact that like I'll be okay I'll get a job and I'm going to like this and that's why I just write off on that
1: and then did you know you wanted to go into advertising if no then how did that come about
0: It's interesting. I kind of like fell into advertising Um, before I finished my my biology degree at Florida State. um, I just happened to be wandering through like the guidance counselor's office and I saw a flyer for an internship in New York called MAPE. And at the time I was still figuring it out. I'm like, well, maybe I'll go back to school and do this design thing. Um, But I never forget the name of the program. I was like, that sounds kind of cool, but I wasn't eligible. So when I did go to school in Atlanta, I remembered that program. And that's sort of how I got into advertising, literally off of like walking past a flyer on the wall at my school and being like, well, this could be my ticket into the industry. Cause I mean, with design, you can do a lot of different things. You can be a package designer, you can be a web designer, you can go into advertising, you can go in-house somewhere. Um, And so being, I I was new to all this stuff. I was like, well, advertising sounds like it makes money. So let me just start there. And so I applied for that internship literally three times, like the first time I wasn't eligible. The second time, I just wasn't good enough. And the third time, they were like, this girl keeps trying. So they <laughs> gave me an internship. They called, they were like, do you want to do this internship? And digital I was like,
1: I don't really know what digital is, but I'll be there.
0: And so I came to New York and the rest is history.
1: And then after that, you went on to this long career with different agencies and you've experienced agency life in a couple of different forms. So tell us about that experience.
0: It was, um, I started. So, my first job in New York was at Ogilvy and Mather. Um, and at the time, you know, again, I was coming off of my internship, um, which, you know, make places you as some of the biggest advertising agencies in the world. Um, so, it wasn't until I was there for a few for years that I realized how big of a deal that was. You know, people knew the name of the agency, it was huge, There's offices around the world. Um, and that was my first job. I was a web designer, um, I was doing Flash and coding. Um, and doing a lot of internal work there. And I was there for way too long. I stayed in Ogilvy <laughs> for like, like seven, it gotta be seven years I was in that building. And it was, you know, I learned a lot, worked with some really big brands like Dove and, you know, IBM was there and American Express was there and learned from some of the biggest in the business. But you're part of a machine, you know, and on any campaign, um, you're not, you might like brainstorm, but a lot of times you're not really doing much of anything with brainstorming, and somebody else goes and executes the project. So I didn't do a ton of work that I felt like I could own. And so after that, I was like, I want to go somewhere smaller and do something cool. So I reached, you know, started looking around and found a smaller agency called Walton Isaacson. And they were, you know, only a few years old. And they were what's called an activation agency that does. Um, what I thought was the cool stuff, you know, it was events and and PR partnerships and celebrities and social media and like all the stuff that like, you know, traditional agencies don't really do. Um, And at the time it wasn't quite as, respected now, that's a huge part of people's marketing plans is activation. But back then it was kind of small. So I went to Wilson I um, started getting into beauty, which is my first few um, years there working on hair accounts. And it was great. I traveled, I'd worked with like El Varner and Luke James, did concert series, traveled around the country with them um, and learned a lot about multicultural marketing at that job.
1: So was that what kind of gave you that bug to start more side hustles. Like at what stage did you start to work on other passions like Curly Girl Collective and Brooklyn Travel Attic outside of work?
0: Funny, it all happened at the same time. <laughs> so I had started um Curly Girl Collective, we came together I think the year before I started working at Walson Isaacson. So and that started literally as, you know, a group of friends on email chain, you know how it worked. And we were just kind of talking and we were like, Oh, we should, you know, get together. And at the time I was also searching for a new career. So it all happened all at the same time where I was looking for a new career. I was looking for things to keep myself, you know, engaged and interested. And I also started writing. So I started traveling. I was like, Oh, maybe, you know, I'll, I'll start writing. And just so I can remember what my trips were about literally my blog, Brooklyn travel addict started because I went on a trip to Ghana. I think it was 2010 at the time. I went to Ghana, and I knew that if all I did was take a few pictures, I was going to come back and people were going to say, "Oh, how was your first trip to Africa?" And I was going to say it was great. <laughs> and that's it. Like my memory is just not—it's horrible. So I was going to be like, like, "What are you doing?" I'm like I don't know. We went to the beach. And so what I did was I started writing little stories about random things about what we did at church and how it was so long and you know this person I met this day and people were reading it. And I was like, um, you want to know what I'm doing next? Like, I don't know, you know? And it, I was just so shocked that people, you know, back home were actually reading it. When I got home, they're like, where are you going next? And that's how it started. And all of this is happening all the same year. 2010 was a pivotal year for me, you know, started Curly Girl Collective the next year in 2011. My blog took off, you know, was nominated for a award the first year and I got my new job all 2011.
1: So, you know, I always ask people, what motivated you to make the leap? But I know in your case, it was slightly different circumstances. Can you talk to us about that pivotal moment? Gosh, um, that was an interesting
0: day. <laughs> so I was um, at Waltham-Idexon for about three years. I think I was there for three years. Um, it was great. I loved it. It, I mean, it was one of those dream jobs for me. And, but after a few years, you know, in advertising, you, you actually should keep moving. Um, and so I'm um, out at that point, I was trying to figure out what was next and, um, they kind of decided it for me. I got a phone call one day and it was my last day at the job. And it was shocking to say the least, you know, just because, you know, my time there was great. And, You know, came out of nowhere, but at the same time, you know, I was ready. I was ready. And, you know, I think sometimes you just need that little push because I tend to get comfortable. And so when we spoke about seven years at, you know, Ogilvy, it's because I was really comfortable. You know, you got your benefits and your little raises and your cushy job and your pension or whatever. um, And you can just chill. And I think that, you know, hanging out like that is not conducive to growth. And so, you know, after three years at any agency, doesn't matter which agency I was at, I was actually ready to start looking around. So even though it was a bit of a jolt to go from like, you know, paychecks to you know unemployment checks, um, it was I was ready, um, sort of. Right.
1: <laughs> I was just about to say, okay, <laughs> so let's break this down. When sort you of. say when you say you were ready. Do you mean what? What do you mean? Like, I guess mentally. Let me let me clarify. I was ready for another job.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I was ready for another job. I was not ready to be like (laughs) at the unemployment office talking about. Yeah, that was not what I was saying I was ready for, cause I never in a million years imagined not having a job. Um, you know, I'm all about comfort and security and entrepreneurship is something I was honestly never interested in. And mm. so my plan was to, you know, find another job, possibly in activation. And, um, so when that happened, when I say I was ready, I wasn't ready for that per se, but like I said, sometimes you need somebody to like tap you on the shoulder and be like, it's time. Yeah.
1: And what did you do next? Like, in addition to collecting unemployment, like, you know, what were your next steps? Like <laughs> <laughs> Were you looking for a job or were you That's like, okay, funny. let's 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 start looking at, you know, building out what I'm what I can do?
0: Um, honestly, I got on a plane and went to India. That's what I did. You know, <laughs> and that was that was also a little scary because I had a trip planned to India and South Africa and got laid off two weeks before that. And so I had to make a decision, like, am I gonna be responsible and be an adult and like, you know, oh, I'll cancel my trip and save my money and hunker down and whatever. And um, that's not me. So I was like, (laughs) I'm going and forget this. Like, are you serious? I'm totally going. And so I went to India, I think two weeks later and had, I mean, that's one of the most memorable trips I've ever had. We Mm -hmm. went to the Taj Mahal, took a cooking class. Like it was, it was so different being in a culture that was so, what I feel is so different from mine. It was a little twilight zony because it was like fresh off a layoff. Don't know what's next. I'm in another country. I didn't know a lot of people I was with one of my friends, Melody. So I was a, just a little bit out of it during that trip. But those three weeks I was traveling was by far three of the best weeks of my life. I went to Zambia and Zimbabwe, went to Victoria Falls, jumped off the Victoria Falls bridge, which which was my number one travel experience ever. So that was a big fear. Jumped off a bridge like it was perfectly fine. I jumped off of it. It was awesome. Took a helicopter ride. I went to South Africa, went up Table Mountain. Like I did so much in a matter of three weeks. It kind of showed me. You know, we spend so much time working and tied to our desks, And those three weeks after being laid off showed me what else there is to do in the world. There's so much other stuff going on out there. And we forget about it because we're so preoccupied with our jobs. And so what happened to me was I was forced to take my focus off of work. And I was allowed to be fully immersed in cultures and foods and people and daredevil experiences of things I would never do without worrying about, you know, my vacation days or when i you know, when am I getting back or somebody needs something when I get back. None of that was on my mind. I was totally free. It felt so liberating. And I would encourage anybody who's in between like steady paychecks to absolutely do that because you may not ever have that time where you're not responsible for anything.
1: Wow. I'm about to book a flight, Tracy. <laughs> you should. It was that, amazing. Yes. So I was also reading one of your Facebook posts. I think it was mid-2017 where you wrote about the quote, you won't hit if you don't swing. And you talked about for a long time, you spent a lot of time praying and fasting and wishing and hoping. And it's only when you started swinging that you know were able to launch your agency. So talk to us about that.
0: Girl, that post, I mean, I had my whole soul in that post. Mm. Like it was so
1: serious because I feel like it's
0: true. I mean, I was, I grew up, learning, you know, in a very faith-based home, and I definitely believe in the power of prayer. And I think that as a culture, a lot of women of color grow up the same way. You know, you're taught to believe and pray and hope and, you know, be a good citizen, and that's how good things come your way. And it's not that that's a lie. That is true. Um, But I do believe that a part of faith is work. And for some reason, you know, I, I feel like whether it's a church or books or whatever, the focus on the work isn't as big, you know, we're, you know, we're taught that sort of this passive approach to getting what you want. And that's the sort of, that was my life. I kind of hoped things would happen, prayed they would happen, kind of wait on things. And it wasn't until 2017 that I was like, how about, you know, I start putting in some work. So I went to some coaching sessions and figured out that, you know, maybe God's waiting on me, you know, I'm over here waiting on him to do stuff. And I'm like, what if God's waiting on me to actually like, go out and get with these things that I'm asking for. And so that's exactly what I did. And I did a lot, you know, I saved a ton of money, you know, I paid off my student loans. I made my business official. I'd already started working at that point. Um, but I was kind of working, you know, hiding, you know, hiding, nobody, no, not really talking about it, not making a big deal. And it was time to stop hiding. So I launched the website, you know, made it official, started talking about it. And, um, it just felt great to, to realize that your power isn't necessarily somewhere else. It's inside of you. Um, and so that year, last year, which was amazing for me, was because, you know, I started doing the work myself. And that doesn't mean I stopped praying because I obviously I kept doing that. Um, but I put put in some work and stopped, you know, believing that I, I wasn't, you know, good enough or smart enough or I didn't have a business background. I don't have an MBA. None of that matters. You know, it's just put in the work and, and sometimes it's going to get messy sometimes you're going to mess up you know but once you get past the fact of like okay you're going to fail but then you keep moving right and I saw results
1: hey guys here's a quick word from our sponsors so it's January which means you're probably still thinking about how you're going to make this year great while most people have resolved to go on a diet hit the gym or call mom more often I'm all about investing in learning new skills to make 2018 the best year yet. That's where our sponsor, Skillshare, comes in. Skillshare is an online learning platform with over 18,000 classes in business, marketing, entrepreneurship, technology, and much more. Whether you're trying to deepen your professional skill set, start a side hustle, or build your own business, Skillshare will keep you learning in 2018 and beyond. Check out some of the classes I've bookmarked, like How to Build Your Perfect Website with Squarespace or Email Marketing with MailChimp and much more. And just in time for the new year, Skillshare is offering Side Hustle Pro listeners a limited time offer of three months of Skillshare for just $0.99. To sign up, go to Skillshare.com slash HustlePro99. Again, go to Skillshare.com slash HustlePro99 to get three months of Skillshare for only $0.99 act now for this special new year's offer and start learning today as side hustlers we're in the business of turning our ideas into value the thing is we need time to cultivate fresh ideas which is exactly where our sponsor freshbooks can help freshbooks makes cloud accounting software for creative professionals that's so straightforward to use you'll save hours every week and have more time to let your creativity flourish if that's not enough incentive, the FreshBooks platform has been rebuilt from the ground up. They've taken simplicity and speed to an entirely new level and added powerful new features. I can't cover them all, but sending a branded invoice in under 30 seconds and enabling online payments in two clicks is a good place to start. There's also a new projects feature where you can invite employees or contractors to collaborate and easily share information, files, and updates. If you're listening to this and not using FreshBooks yet, now would be the time to try it. FreshBooks is offering an unrestricted 30-day free trial for all my listeners. No credit card required. All you have to do is go to freshbooks.com slash side hustle pro and enter side hustle pro in the how did you hear about us section. So you touched on the fact that you were able to save a good amount and were able to pay off loans. Like that is no easy feat. How were you getting paid at this point? I know it couldn't just be unemployment. So, you know, how did those initial clients come to you? So
0: luckily, before I left my last job, I was pitching a beauty brand and formed a relationship with that client before they actually sort of signed on with that agency. And so once I left and I was on my own, I'm like, okay, fine. You know, I'm just going to do my own thing. And someone contacted me and said, Hey, you know, do you want to do this? Mind you really tiny piece of the business that, you know, the agency wasn't taking. I was like, okay, well, you know, like, it's not a lot of money, but if you want, and I was like, well, I ain't got no money. So I'll take whatever <laughs> it is you want to give to me because zero paychecks is, you know. So I was like, okay, I'll do it with social media. It was like, we have some social media business and they need some help and they can't afford this that, and a third. I was like, okay, well, you no, know, I'll do it. It, was, it wasn't something I had experience in, but I was like, again, I can do this. I was like, I'm sure I can do this. And so I said yes. And so much happened in that six months. So you know, after I got back from traveling, you know, I met with the agency. Then the agency turned that business over to like a whole other business. So I had to represent myself to a new CEO and the CMO of the company. And that was nerve wracking to start over because like, you know, like I said, I'd met the company before. I'd met these people before and I'm starting over with brand new people who don't know who I am. Mm. And so all that to say, out of those meetings came I was, still talking about, it sounds crazy, a retainer for business. So I was able to do a six month contract for social media and I believe some event work. And at the time I, you know, I've been doing events for a while at that point, both through Waltham Isaacson and through Curly Girl Collective. So I had some event experience under my belt. Um, so I felt confident in doing it in the social media piece. I just, you know, trial by fire, I'm a designer, but you know, doing four different media. And yeah, I just from there, six months turned into a year that turned into at this point going on three years with that age of that business. And it's been great, you know, but I think that my story is a little rare. You know, I was that was just God, you know, to be able to stumble upon one client that is, yeah. was able to sort of create stability for me in such a short period of time.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, as far as the retainer piece, because I think this is one of the most intimidating pieces, so I want to touch on this. For someone who's starting out on their own, consulting any kind of agency, how did you know what to charge? Were you basing it off of your hours plus tax, as people always say, um, from your last job? Yeah, it was it was a huge learning
0: curve for me. So just to be clear, I'm a creative. And so creatives make things look good. They make things sound good. They convince you to buy things. That was what I've done for the past 10 years. And going into entrepreneurship, I had to deal with things like what you just said. Like, how much do you charge? What is the scope? What is, you know, this contract stuff? It literally was driving me crazy. So what I did was reach out to accounts executives who had experience doing that. And I had a couple. I had some from, you know, WI, I had some from, you know, friends of friends who were in the advertising industry who've been doing this for years. And I said, Hey, you know, what should I be charging? And they were able to help me put together estimates as to what made sense for the type of work i was doing Um, but honestly at the end of the day you have to decide what you're worth you know what is your time worth and as a freelancer because i still freelance sometimes as an individual freelancer you know you have your hourly rate that you can set but as an agency you know you're it's not just you there's other people you're paying you have overhead there's other costs and i did need the help of other people to help me figure out what companies are used to seeing what makes sense. And then just go from there. And and at the end of the day, just like if you're going in for your own job, you have to just ask for what you feel you're worth and just believe in that.
1: And I like how you talked about, you know, talking to other people. I always say you'd be surprised how many people are willing to give you some perspective. And, you know, I've certainly done it. I'm like, you know, hey, what are you charging? What should I charge? What's the going Yeah,
0: I wish we did more of that. I know, I wish we
1: did more of that. I feel like
0: our community is so hush, hush and like secretive about how much you're making and everything from your salary to a freelance project. Nobody says anything about numbers. But I think what that does is it's unfortunate because we don't know how much we should be making, Mm -hmm. you know, and I feel like that's not the case in other communities. So, you know, I try to be more open with, you know, fees and, well, this project was this much money just because I feel like it's not this big secret. Of course, you don't go tell your biggest competitor, but you would, <laughs> you know, you tell your friends yeah. or your colleagues like, hey, you should be making more than that. Right. You know, And I think that that's helpful because because we lean on each other, mm-hmm. especially brown people, you lean on each other. You yeah. don't know what people who have the same level of experience you do or the same type of business you do. You know, you could be overcharging or undercharging. Both are bad, you know, because you could lose business by overcharging. And so I think that, you know, it's it's helpful to just reach out to people, you know, don't feel like you're going to sound stupid. Like it's not stupid. You're looking for information.
1: Right. And I was talking to another entrepreneur about this. And another thing, another reason why we have to talk to each other is because if you undercharge yourself to a brand and then they go to someone else and they're like, well, so-and-so only charged this. Like, they exactly. reset their rate. it's bad for everybody. It's bad so for it's, everybody.
0: Just, it's good to know what the standard is. And that's sort of where I started.
1: Okay. And speaking of paying now, when did you start to bring on a team and how was that process? Like, were you just putting out a general note? Like, hey, I'm looking for this. Like, how did you first find the person and know what to pay I didn't know.
0: There's a lot of I didn't knows in this whole <laughs> process. I did not know but what I was doing. Out, I'm just gonna though. be real. You figured it I'm out. Just, real, I'm just figuring it out. Like the first six months, I did everything myself, which I learned very quickly, tragic fail. Do not do that. Do not do it yourself. And so, you know, the first six months, I did all the social media myself. I'm the writer, the, the art director. I'm the account director. I am the event planner. I am the event assistant. Like I did everything. And I survived it. But I learned quickly as it grew the next year that I was like, oh, there's no way I can do this by myself. Mm-hmm. And so at the same time, luckily, a friend of mine, Lauren Grant, who is has her own company now, mm-hmm. the Grant Access, was looking to quit her job. And I was like, oh, I was like, you do events, don't you? And she was like, uh, yeah, that's like what I love to do. And so it just worked out that she and I at the same time were sort of leaving the same industry. Actually, she was in media and I was in in advertising and she was available to start helping me. And so, you know, it worked out to where the next year I was able to tap into her company to do event logistics. And then over the course of the year, once I was able to sort of stabilize my finances, um, I brought on more people. And usually it's not, you know, I don't have a full team of employees. Um, I work with Lauren most of the time, and I also have an assistant that I bring in, help with events. I brought in um, an account consultant, and she helps with things. Again, the things that you're not good at, find somebody who's great or somebody who enjoys that. Um, And that's what I do. You know, I bring in people when I'm traveling. If I'm going to be abroad, I bring in a team to do the writing or to do the art direction um, when I'm not available to do that. And so it's mostly freelancers at
1: this point. And freelancers from, coming from your personal network, or are you also utilizing like, things like Upwork for overseas people? Um,
0: thankfully, I haven't had to talk to strangers.
1: You know, I really <laughs> have just like,
0: I know my network, I've, you know, after 10 years in New York and advertising, you know, I knew a really good designer she actually did my identity for um purpose driven passport she did the logo and all that stuff her name was candace queen um i knew her from mape she was an intern in the same internship program i was in and i looked to her you know when i was trying to figure out who could work with me as a designer on some stuff um and most of my contacts are through my personal network um now granted there are times where i may need something specific like um production work or printing. And at that point, it's just reaching out on the interwebs and being like, uh, who can make this poster for me? You know? Um, but my core team that I've worked with as far as freelancers, luckily it's just been word of mouth. I just ask my friends like, Hey, you know, a good writer or do you know a good uh, assistant or whatever? And it just goes from there.
1: So what's been the most surprising part of starting your agency? (sighs)
0: Surprise, surprise. I think my first year I was surprised at How much time you spend doing the work you're not good at? So like the business of of being an entrepreneur, I learned that even though I'm a creator, I was spending a lot of time as an account executive, you know, um, you got to deal with your budgets and, and your money, you know, the side of the business I never had to touch, basically, and When I weighed, if there's 100 percent of the time, it was like 60, 70 percent doing things that I felt weren't creative. Um, And that was a problem. And so I think that actually pushed me to find um, support from other people, because to be fully transparent, I would have quit if I had to keep doing that, um, there's no way that I was going to spend all my time in Excel. Excel is a devil. Like I was like, I'm not doing this. I'm not, I'm not doing this spreadsheet. I'm not figuring out these numbers. Like I'm not, I can't do this anymore. And so, and I had some really tough times. Like I've cried buckets of tears in the middle of the street before. Cause I was just so frustrated with the whole process of, of being a businesswoman. Um, because at my core, that's not who I am. I'm a creative and a lot of people who are entrepreneurs at their core, there's something else, you know, they're a fashion designer or they're a musician or, you know, whatever they're, they're selling, that's who they are. A business person comes along with the territory. But I think that that part of the business is what I was surprised at how much time that takes up.
1: Now in my mind, you are the queen of side hustles. So I want to transition to talking a bit about your multi-passionate life, because you, as I said before, have been able to weave many different things and, and all your different ideas into new businesses in a really cool and seemingly seamless manner. So what would you consider your side hustle these days? Oh, gosh, I have so many.
0: <laughs> Where do I start? So I have, I guess, three side hustle still. The most visible, that most people know about is obviously Curly Girl Collective. We're the founders of CurlFest. And CurlFest has taken off in a way that we never would have expected, you know, there's five of us in the business, my partners. And what's funny is that, you know, we've been doing this since 2011, you know, on a smaller scale, smaller events. And I think that in the past three years, once we started Crowfest, it's catapulted us to sort of international visibility, um, which is amazing, you know, and the growth has been, you know, surreal, literally like last year, looking out in the crowd and not even being able to like guess how many people are out there. It was in like the tens of you know thousands of people, and you're sitting there like, how do we get here? You know, it went from a side hustle to like a real. This is a business, and it's something that people love and they look forward to and they crave and come from around the country to be there. You know, it's 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 amazing and it's it's weird to actually call that a side hustle now, um, because it's bigger than that. It's a movement, um, and I think that it's kind of proof that your side hustle can become bigger than you ever dreamed if you just keep at it. So curly girl collective is one of my first side hustles. I still write Brooklyn travel addict is my passion. I write not so much for money. You know, I'm not one of the travel bloggers who's, um, you know, able to sort of live off of um, sponsorships and partnerships and um, paid content, you know, that's, who knows, maybe I'll go that route one day, but I'm not there right now because I think I have, you know, other things I'm supposed to be doing, Um, but I do enjoy inspiring people with my stories. I love when readers DM me or email me. I'm like, oh my gosh, your trip to X, Y, and Z inspired me to book a flight. And I went and it was amazing. I did my first solo trip or whatever. And that's why I write, um, to help people who aren't able to travel as much. They live through what I'm wow. doing. It's just rewarding. Um, and so I still do that truly as a side hustle. Again, I am starting to get into partnerships and sponsorships and, and paid content more. Um, but at the base of what I'm doing is still the passion for sharing my experiences and inspiring people to travel. And then out of that came Purpose-Driven Passports, which is my recent baby. And that came out of I felt like I was traveling and enjoying the world, which you absolutely should do, but I feel that there's so many people out there who aren't benefiting from the tourism money that we're dumping into these countries. So we go to whatever, wherever you're going, whether it's India, South Africa, or Jamaica, Um, you go there and you spend thousands of dollars and there's an orphanage or a school next door and they don't have, you know. I've seen it all. There's no clean water. There's no school supplies. They don't have books or the government, for whatever reason, not giving them what they need. I've heard everything. And it was starting to bother me that, you know, we're up here living it up, which again, you absolutely should live it up, do it. But like I wanted to find ways for people to start giving back while they're, they're traveling. And it, it could be something as small as filling your suitcase with um, things you don't use anymore. If you have a child, you know, Take their old clothes and drop them off somewhere. Bring shoes. I've done it all. Bring like onesies. I packed some onesies in a suitcase one time, went to an because they didn't have enough, you know, little things that you don't think about when you go to, especially, um, you know, quote unquote, third world country, the smallest thing that you see every day could make a bigger dis- difference than you realize. So I think that purpose driven passports came out of my travel and made obviously become a bigger part of what I do when it comes to travel. Um, And in 2018, I'm hoping to partner with more organizations that are taking trips um, and working with them to get their travelers to start giving back when they're
1: away. I love it. And speaking of the partnerships and, and some of the paid content that you're getting little by little, were you always comfortable reaching out to hotels and sponsors, or did you learn from other travel bloggers how that process works?
0: So reaching out is something I'm still working on. You know, the things that have come my way have usually just been like, hey, I know this girl, she travels, you know, you should work with her. And I've done it that way. Um, I just started pitching, honestly, like last year. Um, And I'm going to do some more of that this year. I admire like so many travel bloggers out there who have – made it their careers. You know, there's so many out there. There's, you know, I've watched Rachel travels and Onika and they're like out there, like doing it. Uh, and they're doing it because they're asking for it. They're pitching it. They're reaching out to who they want to work with. And that's how you get it. You know, you have to ask. I think it goes back to being intentional and putting in the work. Um, and so I think that that's something that I've gotten more comfortable with because the thing is, all you have to do is ask. And a lot of times, what are the answers? No, or yes. Yeah. You won't hit unless you swing. Yeah. And so that's what I've started doing. Um, and, Believe it or not, people usually say yes, you know, or they'll or the more also the more you work with brands, um, other brands are watching. So if you get one and and someone else sees your content, Mm -hmm. then another one will say, oh, well, she works with with people. Let's see what she can do. And that also happened last year when I was working with I believe I was working with Dell and after I worked with Dell other companies started reaching out to me because they saw that I was working with the company
1: yeah that's definitely been my experience as well and something a a few other guests have talked about like you know post what you're doing and who you're doing it with because you know then it's like you start to build a reputation like oh okay she's working with so and so I do have a lot of respect for you though it's no easy feat to do the partnerships I know I tried to reach out to some hotels for my honeymoon and they were like girl goodbye (laughs) We are not sponsoring your (laughs) honeymoon.
0: Listen, you just gotta try. I think I tried to get like my carnival, I tried to get carnival sponsored one year. They was like, what's your name again? Right. (laughs) I guess, I guess that's a no. Okay, fine, fine. That's okay. <laughs> so, I mean, I think you just kind of got to learn that like the answer might be no and that's okay, but it yeah. might be yes. Yeah. So it doesn't mean you don't do it. You just, you know, just know that you just cast a wide net. So, I okay. think that in the future this year, you know, if I want to work with, say, I don't know, a car company, which I, you know, I may or may not, but I won't just go after, you know, one, I'll go after like three or four. And, and that way you might get one.
1: Did you ever throughout this whole process have one of those, oh crap, I might need to get a job again moments. Did you consider it at all? Girl, every day,
0: <laughs> like, every day. No, I'm joking. Not every day, but I do think that, yeah, I'll keep it real. There was a time last summer where I got so low on money that And it was embarrassing. I couldn't pay people like I had to be like, oh, the money's coming or, you know, I have outstanding invoices. And I was down to like nothing. And it was partly because I had yet to sort of find someone to help me with the finance part of the business. And, um, you know, more money was going to come in. But at the time, I just didn't have it. And that scared me a little bit, you know, because like, how, how did I get here? What's going on? And that never happens when you have a steady paycheck or if it does because you just spend the money, you know, and it wasn't because I was like out here, like on Fifth Avenue living the life. It was like because, you know, as an entrepreneur, you get your checks from from clients. And um, I think that was a lesson for me to really be more um, more serious about finding people to help me um, so that I don't get to that point. So that was probably one of those points. But I think honestly, for me, it's, it's like I talked about earlier. I will only be an entrepreneur if I'm loving what I'm doing. And so if I got to a point where I didn't enjoy it or wasn't rewarding um, or, you know, that that's basically it. If I'm doing more administrative work than I'm doing creative work, I have no problem going back to a company. You know, I have the experience and you have to believe that too, that if you leave to do something else, it's actually okay to go back to a company. Nobody's going to like look down on you. And yes, you have people who will, we disappointed like, oh, well, you were an entrepreneur. There's plenty of people who were entrepreneurs who went back to working at a company for whatever the reasons. They may have started a family. They may have moved. You know, who knows what it is? Um, but I never say never to, you know, getting a job. But right now, the freedom of being able to work from Trinidad or work from Johannesburg um, is amazing. So I'm enjoying it. It hasn't been that long. It's been like two
1: years now. So I'm um, right now I'm cool. And you know, a lot of my guests out the key to their success as having multiple revenue streams. Do you agree with that? And what are the current revenue streams in your business?
0: So luckily for me, my revenue streams is from my agency. Um, and so before that, um, before I was able to get what's known as a retainer, which is like a the same payment every month, which is consistent. Um, Before that I was doing more hustling. So I was like writing for publications. I was, you know, doing social media projects. I was, you know, freelancing. um, And I had my hands on a couple different things. And so now, um, you know, this year, when I think of different revenue streams within the agency, it'll be different clients. So now I'm up to two clients, which is
1: exciting. Ooh. And I'm, I'm
0: looking to pick up, um, smaller businesses. You know, I'm working with larger beauty brands, but I'm also looking to pick up small businesses and use what I've learned in advertising and social media to help, you know, smaller businesses that may not have, you know, these huge budgets. Um, but, they really have a passion for what they're doing um, to help them with their social media marketing. And so in my head, when you say multiple revenue streams, yeah, I'm not writing for Ebony, you know, anymore to sort of make dollars here and there, but I am seeking out different companies to work with, um, to bring money into the agency.
1: All righty. So what's your ultimate goal for show and tell and Brooklyn travel addict purpose-driven passports, Curly Girl Collective, did I get the call? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes,
0: you got them all. Um, Gosh, ultimate goals. I mean, the short answer is just to be happy. And I know that sounds like really basic, but I I honestly believe and there's there's too many days in your life um, to be unhappy and to be stressed and to not enjoy what you do. And so um, a short term goal is to spend more time with purpose driven passports um, and put more of work into giving back in the world, um, just because that's really rewarding for me, Um, and I'm applying for I did win a grant, I won a WeWork Creator Award last, at the end of the year, which was amazing, like, it came out of nowhere, and I want to do more of that, so I have money to go abroad and and make a difference. I want to spend more time doing that. Um, Carl Fest is growing, and we're at a really pivotal time right now, and so right now, I'm putting more time into creating a team. You know, what does our team look like as we grow and possibly expand to other places, Um, and what that means is creating a team for my agency that allows me to work less so I can spend more time side hustling. So that's my ultimate goal is to to work less um, at my full time gig so that I can do more things that are either giving back or inspiring others.
1: I love it. And, you know, What a great place to be in when you have a full-time business that you've created, and now you're like, okay, I need to spend more time on my side hustle, both of which I created. So kudos (laughs) to you!
0: (laughs) Thank you, girl. It's like you would if you look at my Gmail. I have like. 15 email addresses. And I'm like, how did I get here? How? I don't
1: want to answer any of them. Oh, gosh, let's not get started on email. But anywho, we're going to transition into a lightning round where you just answer the first thing that comes to mind. Are you ready? Sure. All righty. Number one, what's a resource that has helped you in your business that you can share with the Side Hustle Pro audience?
0: Um... There's two. There's one that's pretty basic that I assume most people use, but it's just Google Calendar. Um, it's not something I used when I was at an agency because you have somebody who's always like telling you what to do. <laughs> and I feel like now I have to keep track of everything. And so my calendar, I've used different calendar apps and things like that, but my calendar is like my Bible. And I keep, it's how I keep all these different businesses sort of on track with meetings and out of office and all that stuff. So that's a pretty basic one. The other has been WhatsApp. And that's because I do travel a good bit. I'm not always able to be off. Um, and that's that's been a challenge sometimes too, but what I'm able to do is, you know, if I need to have, I think I was in Johannesburg a few months ago and I was able to have conference calls. My you it was in the middle of the night, but I'm able to do conference calls, you know, through WhatsApp or, you know, whatever, and, and text and check in with my clients and check on my team. Um, through WhatsApp. And I know it's been around for years, but it's something that's been a game changer because I can be anywhere and sort of keep it moving as if I'm home. Um, So as a traveler, that's been really, really, really
1: helpful for me. Number two, what's a personal habit that has helped you in your business? Personal habits. I think last year um, I
0: started practicing yoga and meditation. And what that does is, you know, being an entrepreneur, it you can kind of get sort of wound up and caught up in like all the things you have to do. And what's helped me be more productive is taking more time to sort of sit and breathe. And so I, that's not something I've ever done before. I'm like a go, go, go girl. And I think now, you know, I set aside time to just like be quiet and, and breathe and listen and take a day off and as simple as that sounds, a lot of people don't do it. And so that has helped me a lot. Um and then also just like I, I kept saying, like get people to help you. I have an accountant now that like handles things for me. Um, I'm an attorney, like get people who, who know what they're doing <laughs> so you're not trying to write a contract yourself or you know, figure out a tax forms yourself. Like find people who can take the things off your plate so you can do what you love.
1: Number three, what's the best book that you've consumed recently? Um, so would it be like horrible to say i don't read a lot (laughs) (laughs) event or podcast episode i usually add those in too
0: um and i wish i knew the name i was listening to you know i listen to um sometimes there's sermons i listen to in the mornings that are pretty awesome you of course i listen to your podcast and some of the stories and that actually keeps me going because a lot of the themes that i'm going through as an entrepreneur i hear from your guests so thank you for doing what you're doing oh, that's good to know. um yeah no it's awesome um i do listen to my leak um my leaks podcast sometimes just again just listen to other entrepreneurs kind of grounds you and you're not alone
1: so i do that number four which black woman entrepreneur do you most admire right now at this moment
0: Probably Brandis Daniel. She's one of the first um, Black female entrepreneurs I met when I started working in sort of beauty and fashion. And I thought it was cool that she went from sort of working in fashion to sort of leading a movement of getting more designers of color on the runway. And she is like, she's really doing it. You know, she's really great with sponsorship. She's built her brand. She has a team, you know, she started a family. I just love watching her grow. Um, and yeah, I definitely look up to her. Mm
1: -hmm. Okay. Number five, what is your parting advice now for fellow women entrepreneurs who want to be their own boss, but are worried about losing that steady paycheck? Oh gosh, just jump
0: like that fear that's got you sort of stuck at that job that you hate, like it's going to keep you there until you let go of it. So I think that the advice is that it's not that scary once you, once you're there. Um, And I would even go as far as to say you might actually enjoy it um, once you get used to the fact that, okay, so this steady paycheck's not here, but you're able to get some things you didn't have before, like time, you know, or joy or, things that you didn't have when you had that paycheck. So just think about what you can get. Like, what is it that you're losing by not leaving? Um, focus on what it is you want. And if that's worth more to you than that check, then I think you have a decision to make. And I think usually if you're thinking about leaving, um, I'm not saying, you know, be irresponsible, um, but don't overthink what, what you need because you, you wouldn't believe what comes your way when you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. When you're walking in your purpose, things come your, in your direction. I never would dream I'd be where I am, um, but I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. So you have to trust that that will happen to you if you make the first step. If you don't, then, you know, it, you can get there, it just may take a lot longer.
1: And what a great note to end on. So what's the best way that we can connect with you after this episode?
0: You can connect with me on Instagram. I'm there usually hanging out. Um, (laughs) Brooklyn Travel Addict is where I do most of my posting. So that's BK Travel Addict on Instagram um, and on Facebook. And that's probably the best way, best place, Purpose Driven Passports. I have a community on Facebook um, that's growing. So if you want to hear about where we're going next year, if you want to get involved in any trips, uh, please join Perpetrators and Passports community on Facebook, and if you want to come to CurlFest, Fest, um, follow us. It's I Love CDC on Twitter, Curly Girl Collective on um, Instagram and we announce the CurlFest date which I will not say on this phone but I will um, you, if you follow because people ask me all the time I'm like what is CurlFest I'm like I can't tell you yet I can't tell you but if you were not there last year you should be there next year and yeah follow us and just you know we love hearing from you and hearing your experiences there I think that's I have so many handles I don't know if I name right. them all I, but will, that's I will link to all of
1: them y'all in the show notes <laughs>
0: Thank you, <laughs> Alrighty, Thank you so much for joining us in the guest chair today. No problem. This was fun. Thank you for inviting me. And there you have it.
1: Hey guys, thanks for listening to Side Hustle Pro. If you want to hear more from me, head on over to sidehustlepro.co forward slash Side Hustle Corner to get my weekly Side Hustle Diaries chronicles about my own journey from passion project to profitable business. And if you want to find me online, I'm at Side Hustle Pro on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Don't forget to join the Side Hustle Pro Facebook community. Go to sidehustlepro.co forward slash mastermind. And as always, if you love the show, do me a favor and subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. Thanks, guys. Talk to you next week.